At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to the Urban Farm Podcast. Today we have Paul Dysinger here to share his farming experience and to give us some tips for winter growing on a budget. How cool is that? Paul Dysinger is the founder of Born to Grow and the brand new Garden Launch membership community where he enjoys teaching people how to grow their own healthy, nutrient-dense organic food. He lives with his family on Bountiful Blessings Farms, where they serve the community year-round with fresh veggies, herbs, and berries. Welcome to the show today, Paul. How are you? Hey, Greg. Thanks so much. It's a it's a real privilege to be on with you, and I'm doing great. Yeah, how about yourself? Awesome. Awesome. Oh, my God. You know what? I get to do this every day, so I love it. That's so great. I read your bio. Could you fill in any blanks and share about your journey of getting to where you're at now? Okay, so... Yeah, it goes back a little ways. Um, my family, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'll just share a quick story. My family doesn't come from a farming background. In fact, we come more from a medical background. Wow. Both grandparents on both sides are doctors. Uh-huh. My, you know, my dad grew up doctor's kid. He went over, did a lot of development work overseas. I actually grew up part of my life overseas out in little villages doing development uh, my da- with my dad and my parents doing development work over there. Uh-huh. We ended up moving back to the States. And that's when first my uncle found the desire to farm. And so he started, he actually started the farm, um, started as a strawberry farm. And then my dad later joined him and um, partnered together. And so our two families run the farm. And my dad likes to say that, you know, now he's down to development work at the grassroots level, you know, serving people from the bottom up. Nice. And so that's kind of the quick overview background of how we ended up on the farm. My uncle started it in 1998 um, as a strawberry farm. From there, it moved into uh, where we grow a huge variety of vegetables, herbs, berries. Um, and then my dad and our family joined him in 2006. Wow. And where in the world are you? We are south of Nashville in Tennessee, about an hour southwest of Nashville. And the size of your farm? You know, we're, we're a small farm. And so we do everything really high intensity uh-huh. and in a small space. Uh, land area, we have about 200 acres, but we're only growing on maybe three to four acres max in vegetable production at a uh-huh. time. We'll have some other land that is being cultivated in a, in a cover crop or something like that. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, nice. yeah, small, small intensive production. Got, got it. So I have to laugh a little bit. Um, I have a small farm in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a third of an acre. Yeah. So, so for me, three acres. In fact, that's I get that question a lot from people. They say, "How many acres do you have?" And I just kind of laugh and say, "I wish." 
<laughs> I wish. So today we're going to talk about winter growing techniques. So what are we talking about here? What what are they? Okay, so from the very start, I want to make this as practical as possible for any of the listeners that are on today, for all of our listeners. And so first of all, let's let's just jump back to what is it about growing in the winter? Uh-huh. What vegetables can you grow in the winter? What can't what doesn't grow in the winter? Right. Um, you know, some people might not even realize that there are vegetables that do better in the heat and vegetables that do better in the cold, but it's kind of like climbing a mountain. You end up with different vegetation as you get higher and as oh, yeah. it gets colder exactly. and all that kind of. So when it comes to the garden, uh, first of all, there's a, a pretty easy little separation and it's not doesn't go across all boards, but pretty much your cold tolerant vegetables are your leafy greens and your... Uh, roots like your carrots and radishes and um, beets um, and turnips and you know so I'm sure you know all of this Greg but I just want to make sure our listeners are on the same page oh yeah exactly um, well then brassicas are probably thrown in there as well yes right right so your leafy greens like your brassicas lettuces cabbage Brussels sprouts um, yeah all of those are thrown in there and so kind of the first thing that you want to do when you're thinking about growing in the winter is say you know I want to do this easily I want to do it simply I want to do it on a budget I don't want to break my pocketbook while I'm doing it so the first thing to do is decide to grow the vegetables that do best growing in the cold it only makes sense right exactly so once you've got that down um, depending on where you live you know someone that lives in Florida of course it's gonna be a lot easier for them than right. somebody that lives in Maine. Yep. But the good news is for, for everyone, for even those people that live in Maine, is there are simple techniques that you can use to grow veggies in the winter, even without a heat source, um, and keep them alive through the winter and be harvesting fresh vegetables. And I know there's gonna be people up in colder climates that are, you know, their minds are just going crazy right now because they're thinking, you know, there's absolutely no way that I could do that. Right. But you know, we we know people in Michigan that are doing it. We know uh, farmer Elliot Coleman, um, we, that, who we've learned a lot from. Oh yes, um, up in Maine that is yep. doing it. You know, without heat, he's growing vegetables. And so, that's kind of direction that I wanted to go with when it comes to a technique. Is how can you do this without breaking your pocketbook in a simple and really an easy way? So what um, is the? So let's go there. What give us one technique? Let's start there. I'll give you. Perhaps our favorite technique. Perfect. That's a great and, place. And that is by using what's called a row cover or a frost cloth. And for anybody that's not familiar with a row cover, it's basically like a dryer sheet material. Like think of a dryer sheet. Oh, yes. It's a spun bonded fabric, but think of it like a big, huge blanket. And uh-huh. so um, you can cover a large area with it. And it basically is kind of like that. It's kind of like a blanket you can put over your veggies um, to protect them. And when it comes to protection in the winter, oftentimes our minds will immediately go to, I want, my plants need heat, right. um, you know, to, to grow. <laughs> you don't want them to freeze and die. You're right. Well, the good news about growing the cold tolerant veggies is that they can handle a freeze. And oftentimes it's more important to protect them from environment, from the environment, from from wind. Oh yes. And yeah, and all exactly. that environmental activity going around them then to try and get them warm. Um, think of it kind of like when you walk outside and there's a wind chill factor. You know, it might be 32 degrees, but uh-huh. there's a wind chill of like 25 and it feels way colder and you you do a lot worse. It's kind of the same thing with our plants. Um, they'll get wind burn. It's it's actually pretty incredible if you can create an area where the air is still around them. Mhm. 
they can handle way lower temperatures. Yeah, um, we've exactly. Had, we've had lettuce that has survived like negative five degree temperatures wow. without any heat outside just under a couple covers. <laughs> and so, you know, when it got that cold, we were praying over them too. So Right, exactly. <laughs> We attribute that to the protection and, as well as our prayers. But so when it when it comes down to it, the very first thing is there's this frost cloth that you can put over them, and that can create that protected environment. Right. And um, so you, we, so you you mentioned row covers and frost cloth, same basically the same material. Yeah. Thanks for making that clarification. Yeah. Basically the same material. And if someone is going out to buy one, I would just give a little tip. We found that a one ounce, they come in different thicknesses. Uh -huh. We found that a one ounce thickness gives the best coverage. Yeah, the best coverage, but it gives the best balance between protection as well as allowing light through. Because That's... if you get too thick, then it doesn't allow as, as much right. light to go through it and your plants still need the light. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask you that, whether it the uh, light actually came through it. Yeah, so light can go through it. It's also breathable. Uh -huh. so air can go pass through it as well. Um, but it, it still protects from wind, even though it's breathable. Perfect. And row covers, that kind of material is fairly easy to find, yes? Yes, that's right. Yeah, you can you can look it up online. Google row cover. Um, Johnny Selected Seeds has it available. Um, there's quite a few different um, sources for it. You could probably find it somewhere locally. Perfect. Perfect. So how about another technique? You got another one out there for us? Well, let me just build off of the row cover first, just Perfect. a minute, because people could, of course, you can just go put the row cover over your veggies, but ideally um, that protection should be up off of your plants a little bit. And so you'll want to put some type of wire hoop over your veggies to kind of hold the row cover up off of them Yep. and create a little air pocket that can actually act as a bit of an insulator. Mm-hmm. Or what one of one of our favorite techniques is to use what's called a quick hoop, and you can you can make these yourself just out of ten foot long PVC conduit pipes. Uh huh. You want to make sure that you get the gray kind. Um, the white kind will break down in the sun. Oh yes. Uh, but the, the gray kind uh, doesn't, and so you can bend those hoops over and actually put little short pieces of rebar into the ground actually if you put get like an 18 inch piece of rebar and pound it in 10 inches into the ground on either side and oh, nice push those that that PVC pipe down over top of those um, rebar stakes mm -hmm. it creates a nice little hoop it's like a miniature little hoop house that you can then put a row cover over nice and a, a key is that you'll want to sandbag around the edge of it um, because they they're very prone to having the wind pick the row oh, cover yes. up. yeah exactly take it exactly. away. So, and actually you're, you're talking about the gray pipe, right? The gray pipe. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually conduit. PVC is the white stuff. Um, what you're talking about is conduit. And the cool thing about conduit is, is it's more flexible. That's right. Yeah. It's the conduit. Perfect. You can do it with metal conduit too. You just have to get a bender to bend it. Right. And so that can be a little bit more expensive. Although I was looking at conduit benders the other day and they're only 30 or 40 bucks. And if you're going to do a lot of these, that might be, that might be a good idea. Cause, um, I would have a sense that metal conduit might hold up better. It, it does. Yeah. In fact, we use both and we prefer the metal conduit. So go for it with, with the bender. Perfect. And that bender can be purchased from, I don't know where you, where you were sourcing it from. I know there, I know that Johnny seed sells one. You know, the local, I just, I, I try and do as local, local as much as possible. So I just checked the local hardware store and I saw one there the other day for 30 or $40. So. Oh really? No, that's great. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, all right. So we have row covers. We have, uh, you call them quick hoops, quick hoop houses. 
Yes, little quick hoop houses. All right. And how about if you wanted to, you know, you're a little bit more intense and you got a little bit more cold. You got any ideas for how to protect from those kinds of temperatures? Yeah. So if you are getting colder, then you probably need a couple layers of protection. So that one single row cover, you know, where we are here in Tennessee, we're in a zone seven. Mm -hmm. It gets down to about zero degrees, maybe once in the winter. And one layer of row cover can protect some of our most hardy crops. Like right. cabbage is really hardy. Brussels sprouts is really hardy. Um, you know, the, that can work. Now, if you want to protect a little bit more, then you can either just double cover it. And you will only want to double cover it on cold nights. You'll want to take one of those covers off during the day to allow the sun to get so, down in right. and warm that, warm that air back up. Perfect. Um, but if but you can double cover it at night, and that just adds another extra layer of protection. Or if you um, have the blessing of having a hoop house uh -huh. that has a plastic, you know, plastic um, or a greenhouse, either one. Yeah, a greenhouse would just be a heated one. But if you're still going unheated, and if you have a hoop house, then you can put that quick hoop inside the hoop house, and basically you end up with uh, two layers of protection: the plastic uh, on top, the row cover down below. And again, you could add a second row cover on it on super cold nights, and that you know then you've got three layers of protection. Um, you'd still want to pull it off during the day so the sun can get down in and warm it up. I'll tell you um, that that's brilliant. That is brilliant. I never thought about that. That is that is a great a great idea. Yeah, and it works. It's so effective. It yeah. really works really well. One one thing I've done here, so it doesn't freeze a whole lot here in the desert where we're at, but one of the things I've done is I've actually taken the seven-day candles. Um, okay. And, you know, those are the glass ones that are like 10 inches tall. And just light them and stick one or two of them underneath the hoop house. And it, it throws off enough heat that it'll just, you know, it just keeps it warm enough so that it it's, doesn't go to freezing. Hey, no way. I had I never thought of that. Try that. Give that one a shot. So. Yeah. I have a question for you. What do you consider the best thing about growing your own food? Obviously, there's the benefit of partaking of the food that you grow. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be way healthier, way more have way more nutrition than um, something that you buy at the store. I mean, those are kind of some obvious things. But at the same time, for me, it's almost more exciting than that. What I get more excited about mm -hmm. is the interaction with other people. Um, yeah. Seeing the excitement of other people when you when you can share that food with them. Um, or as in my case, you know, teaching other people, seeing that excitement and how it can change their lives when I'm teaching them how to grow their own food. Right. Um, so those are, those are just some of the things that yeah. excite me about it that, yeah. that I love. The, yeah. The, the community part is, is for me, that's priceless. That's yeah. priceless. So this whole notion of growing your own food and building your own urban farm, there's, there's successes and there's failures and, and we all have failures in doing this. So um, what do you consider one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from that? Would it be okay if I, I brought in a story from my family? It, it actually isn't one that I was directly involved with, but it was a pivotal moment in, Absolutely. in our farming experience. Absolutely, because it's where we learn from. And th yeah. th this is the beautiful part. You can learn from other people's failures as well. And this is your family, so go. So what happened is my uncle started the farm as a strawberry farm. We were actually, as far as we know, nobody's challenged us on it. We were the first organic strawberry farm in the middle Tennessee area. Wow. And so... Uh, yeah, it was, it was exciting. You know, this was new. It was great. 
he got into the media, well, I should go back, he planted the biggest strawberry patch he'd ever planted. I think this was in 2003, but I can't be quoted on that. Uh-huh. don't remember the exact year, but he planted the biggest strawberry I think it was like an acre and a half. Wow. And that's a lot of strawberries. That's a lot of strawberries. <laughs> it is. And so he had just naturally ended up getting a connection with local newspaper in Nashville, got a front page um, article on the strawberry farm. And the beginning of the season, it just started out like blockbusters. I mean, my grandfather was out there directing traffic. <laughs> there was cars lined up down the road. People were just so excited about the strawberries. And nice. then, um, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And then about two days, two or three days into it, um, it started raining. And if you know anything about strawberries, rain just... It's not good on a strawberry yep. patch. I mean, of course, they need water, um, but they get waterlogged. And then what happened is it 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 rained literally for like the next month, basically. Which our strawberry season only a month. Month, I mean, right? That's, exactly. That's all that we have with strawberries. So it rained basically nonstop. It flooded the 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 main two ways to get to the farm ended up being flooded. So if people were trying to come, they wouldn't have been able to anyways. Mm-hmm. Not like anybody was trying to come out when it's raining. And so what ended up happening, long story short, is that it was just an epic, epic failure. They kept on roping off the uh, the field because strawberries were rotting in the field, and they couldn't harvest them. And really, the whole crop failed, and it was it was probably the lowest experience in his experience farming. Wow! And what? what um, so, what's your takeaway from that? What's the learn from that? So, what what happened is he went back to the drawing board, uh-huh. and he said, "You know, we're growing strawberries, but what do I have now? What what can I do now? Because I'm I'm put in a position where I still have to support my family, but our strawberry crop just failed. Mm-hmm. And so, what can I do?" And he really prayed about it, and he felt guided. He felt like um, God directed him to diversify and to say, you know, I can grow food. Why don't I tell people, listen, I'll grow your food for this next winter uh-huh. if you pay me up front. And right. so he sent out an inform- uh, a note to all of his contacts, and that is basically the pivotal point in our farm where we diversified from just growing one single crop to growing a large variety of vegetables um, where, you, you know, now when if one fails, you still have, you know, 20 other ones exactly. to, to back up on. And a key little note there is that, you know, when it, when it comes to growing, failures happen. Nobody can promise you that you're not going to fail. Right. Uh, I failed, you failed. <laughs> like the story with my uncle, he, he failed with the strawberry crop. But it's that, that gumption to say, you know, it doesn't mean that I have a black thumb. Right. It just it just means that you know we live and learn. You take that, you jump up and start start again. Try with something new. Try with yeah. something different. Um, we still grow strawberries. You know, it's still one oh, of nice. our best. Yeah. Crops. So my takeaway here, you ready for this? Yeah. Don't put all your strawberries in one basket. You know. That's <laughs> right. That's right. There you go. All right. Cool. So let's go to the other side of that now, and and let's talk about a win. Do you have a, a nice win out there that you'd like to share with people? You know what? This is going to be extremely simple. Perfect. But it's it's something that has just stuck in my mind ever since I saw it. When I started teaching people how to grow their own food, I think I mentioned this already. You know, one of the biggest things for me is how it impacts their lives. And it and this interaction, it didn't come from one of my customers. It was just somebody that was on my contact list. I was putting out some free training videos, 
Um, actually, I put out a little thing on Facebook, guys, uh, where I said, you know, everybody, you know, go ahead and ask me questions, and then I'll put out some free videos just answering people's questions. Oh, nice! That's a great and, idea. Yeah, it was great. It was a great little experience, and I want to do it again. I, I want to get back into doing that. But um, so what happened is, after I put out a few of these videos, I got on Facebook one day, and this lady came in, and she had commented on one of my posts and she said you know you answered one of my questions in, in one of your videos and my daughter and I watched it and we are inspired and it's just changed our lives you know my daughter is excited now and we're gonna get out into the garden and we're gonna grow we're gonna grow something and it might sound like a simple little thing right. but that interaction just makes all the difference to me it you know does. it doesn't it doesn't have to be someone you know, that's paying for me to teach them, just someone that, that can gain a blessing from even yeah. simple information that I can share online is, is just such a blessing. Uh, Making yeah. a difference in someone's life like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I, for me, oh, that I hear is you. such a huge win. Yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Big time. So that goes to my next question. And what, so here, what drives you? That's part of the foundation of my big why is, is making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. The other thing is, obviously, I, I really think that there's, there's no better place for people to get their own food than to grow it themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fulfilling. It's healing to be in the garden. And there's no better place to, you know, I come from a, a Christian perspective, and there's no better place to learn about um, God and the nature that he has created and the relationship that he wants to have with us than out in nature and in the garden. In the garden. So, I love that. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. So what are you most excited about? What projects are you working on right now that you can share with our listeners? What are you up to? Yeah, I am, I am super excited. I've just launched a brand new membership program. I, ha I had an online gardening course that I was selling for a while, and then um, I wanted more of a community feel and more interaction and to create a membership. And so I've just launched a new membership where it actually includes my whole training library. Oh, nice. Put the, whole, whole, put the whole training library in there. People can just get instant access to, you know, over 75 wow. uh, training videos and demonstrations and all of that. Um, but what really excites me about the membership is that I've started um, having online live monthly meetings where community members can jump in on a webinar basically, but it's a live meeting right. where we can share with them and really answer people's questions and get into their gardens and help them, you know, on their level with their gardens. And it's kind of nice, nice the software that I'm using, they can actually jump in live too, like kind of like a call in, like on a radio station type uh -huh. of thing. So that's kind of exciting. Fantastic. Um, and what, what's the, what's the URL? How can we, how can people find out about that? Yeah, so you can go to www.borntogrow.net. Borntogrow.net. That's my main uh, blog. And on the front page there, there's a link over to the membership. Um, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Perfect. So, yeah, anybody that's interested, jump on over there. And, you know, even if you're not ready to jump into the membership yet, there's, uh, you can jump on my email list and get free garden other free garden training and um, updates from the blog and all of that too so nice so that's born to grow dot net born to grow dot net perfect perfect so I'm all about education it sounds like you are too and um, I have to know I'm an avid reader is there one book out there that's like impacted your life that you like telling everybody about um, could be about gardening maybe not about gardening but one book that you're in 
particularly inspired by? Yeah, do you mind if I give you two? I know that. <laughs> Please, bring it on. I'll, I'll just say for, for the gardening side of things, uh-huh. we have learned so much through Elliot Coleman's books. That would be like the the New Organic Grower. Yep. And the great Full book. Season Harvest. Yeah, yeah. Those are a couple great books. Otherwise, the Bible has been a huge inspiration to me. It's filled with wisdom yep. and, and knowledge and uh, has impacted my life. But one other book that has really had a significant impact on my life as well is a book called The Great Controversy. Uh-huh. Yeah, look it up. It's it, especially for people that are interested in history and going uh-huh. back and looking over the world and looking into the future and stuff like that. A fascinating book that has had a huge impact on my life. Perfect. So one more question. Any final piece of advice or anything that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would like to encourage anyone that is on here, number one, that like we were talking about earlier, growing your food, your own food isn't that hard. Yes, you're going to face obstacles. Yes, you're going to have a plant die on you, um, but, but it doesn't mean that you have a black thumb. You can get right back up and plant something else, and you can have a success, and it does, it's not that hard. Um, nature wants to grow. It's, it's you know, the, the plants, they want to thrive. You know, they're not, they're not so fragile that everything's going to die on you. Yeah. And the other thing is I would really encourage people to start small. Don't oh, yes. bite off too much than you can handle. It's something that we've, we've had personal experience with. We've done uh-huh. it. We've, and the stress just isn't worth it. Um, yeah. you want to, you want to enjoy what you're doing and to start off small in a, amount that you can take care of and do successfully and well and in a way that it can really be fulfilling to you and then grow over time. Oh, perfect. Um, so th- that would be Yeah, great. Like great, great, couple, great. A couple tips, yeah, I guess that you could say. Perfect. So um, where can our listeners find you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? So website and email? Yeah, best way to get a hold of me, website is borntogrow.net and email is paul at borntogrow.net. So Perfect. super simple. My name, paul at borntogrow.net. Perfect. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast today and sharing your experience. And a big thank you to everyone out there who tuned in for the Urban Farm Podcast. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, Head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.